Welcome to the Guide in Cancer Culture podcast. It's a new podcast in which I take my Strang Report podcasts that had to do with my new book and rerun them in a different format for a different audience. I recorded, I need to count how many there were, but 15 to 25 podcasts with various Christian leaders and used the material in the book. Today, I'm interviewing Doug Weed, who is a longtime friend. In fact, I've known him since I was in high school. He's three or four years older than I am, so he was a young adult. I remember looking up to him. He was already writing books. He was an up-and-comer as a speaker. He came to my church and spoke. I got to know him, got to know him more in my 20s. In fact, he really encouraged me when I was starting. A lot of people don't know that. And if you followed his career, he's had major success, both in business and in politics, serving in the administration for George H.W. Bush, was able to allow me to meet George Bush, both when he was running for office and also after he was in the White House. I really appreciate Doug Weed, and he has become quite a commentator. He's written so many books. He's known as a historian. You see him on TV all the time. I think you'll really enjoy this material that he gave me. In fact, I was recently going over the manuscript, and I was just struck with how wise some of the things he was saying. So here is my interview from the Strang Report. If you heard it before, you don't necessarily need to hear it again. I hope you'll share this with others, and stay tuned for a special message that I have at the end. Welcome to the Strang Report with Steve Strang on the Charisma Podcast Network. This episode was produced to discuss and address issues within our nation and around the world from a Christian worldview. Well, Doug Weed, you have been a Washington insider. You've seen a lot of things in your years observing politics and participating in politics. The current cancel culture, as people call it, is different or is it from what you saw in the past? In other words, what's happening now compared to, you know, even during the Reagan years and since then? Yeah, I I can give you my own opinion on it, Steve. I think cancel culture is very much related to what happened in the past. It's an evolution. It's uh, a stronger degree of Marxism. Marxism has a- always taught that if you can't win an argument, you prevent the other side from talking. And that, that's been one of the fundamental basics of Marxism throughout history. That's why they don't have freedom of speech in Marxist societies. A lot of my friends in the United States who were Bernie Sanders fans and favored socialism for America would tell me, well, uh, American socialism is going to be different from Venezuela socialism or Soviet socialism, it's going to be much different. But the socialism that we see practiced in America on American campuses, for example, is very much like Soviet or Venezuelan or Cuban socialism in that one of the basics is to prevent a conversation, to prevent the other side from speaking. And of course, you're, you're talking about politics. And of course, that's what we're dealing with. But also, isn't there an effort to cancel 
conservative thought and Christian, even canceling Christianity. I mean, isn't there an attempt to get rid of Christianity in the in the marketplace? Well, absolutely. But <laughs> that's that's it. Christianity is the first thing they want to silence. That's uh, as Karl Marx taught. It's the religion is the opiate of the people. They they see religion as the enemy. It's fundamental. Communism is fundamentally the opposite Western culture, which is based on individualism, the Judeo-Christian concept. Uh, for example, if you if you read the studies of Isaiah Berlin, they're really his version of Marxism, but. Isaiah Berlin was asked, why do you not allow freedom of speech in socialist societies? And as Isaiah Berlin explained, it's because the voice of the commune, the voice of the community, the tribal voice is more important than any individual voice. An individual voice and the demands of an individual are selfish and therefore immoral are wrong. In the Soviet Union, they actually punished overachievers in a factory line. You, you, you couldn't lag behind or you'd be punished. But if you excelled and did better than everyone else, you were manifesting outrageous and improper egotistical tendencies. And so you had to be gray down in the middle somewhere. Now, Western civilization, based on Christian concepts, Jewish concepts, totally different from Marxism. Jesus said the whole world is not worth a single soul. Uh, the, the great uh, parable of Jesus was the good shepherd. The good shepherd leaves the 99 and goes out to save the one that is lost. That is the antithesis of communism. In communism, everything evolves around the 99. The one uh, can die, but the 99 must be saved and preserved, and it's the will of the commune. So that's where we're headed, in my humble opinion, and the cancel culture is a manifestation of that process. Well, we've had cancel culture for a few years, but it seems to have reached a crescendo, especially since the last election. Who would have thought that Twitter and other platforms could cancel a sitting president of the United States? And then since then have canceled people like Mike Lindell. I'll deal with him in, in the book too. And even his, his products. What is going on, in your opinion, and how do people fight back? Well, what's going on is an American version of an American corporate version of communism. That's what's going on. I mean, the, the small businesses were being crushed by large monopolies by both the Republican and Democrat parties. That was an evolving process. I experienced it 40 years inside the establishment Republican Party working with the Bushes. I could see it at work. The major corporations get the money. The smaller companies and institutions are crushed by regulations that they have to keep. The bigger companies, the monopolies can afford to keep those regulations, so they don't mind. 
And then when a stimulus bill is passed, those big companies are excused from keeping those regulations. But meanwhile, those regulations, well-intentioned regulations, maybe they help the environment, maybe they help the disabled, but their purpose, the utility for the big corporations is to destroy a free enterprise and the competition. And Donald Trump was releasing these angels of small business by deregulating suddenly for government uh, contracts that only one company, Boeing, would even bid on. There were now 40 different companies bidding for the same government contract, which made it more competitive and better for the taxpayer and the government, but worse for the big monopoly. And then when COVID hit, you know, and Donald Trump's great economy was put on hold, you'll notice that the monopolies stayed open. Churches were closed. Restaurants were closed. Small businesses were closed. Mom and pop shops were closed, but Costco was open. Walmart was open. McDonald's was open. All of the monopolies remained open and functioning and making money, more money than they ever made before. There were crowds in Target and some of these places. So in my humble opinion, that's what's going on. And the, the war against Christianity is, is a big part of that because Christianity was the greatest enemy that Karl Marx faced. That's why it will have to be stamped out, every vestige of it. I mean, we saw 20, 30 years ago the big corporations trying to do that. Disney, for example, owned ABC. ABC Television Network was promoting a TV show called Good Christian Bitches. This was a national television program. Well, it didn't work. Stop for a minute and think if uh, there were a similar sitcom television program aimed at Muslims or Jews or any other group of people, but because the attack was Christians, this was okay. And it wasn't popular, it didn't make it, but it gives you an idea of what they were thinking, where they were headed. These are big media conglomerates. They're Viacom owns CBS, Disney owns ABC. These companies know, they run their own polls. They know that 39, 40% of the country are born again Christians and they are directly willing to offend them and take them on and crush them. Uh, weren't you also the victim of cancel culture at the end of your tenure of the Bush administration, H.W. Uh, Bush administration? I remember it. It was not big in the news because Desert War started around the same time, but you haven't talked a lot about that, and I'm just curious if you're willing to describe what happened to you because there were apparently powers that wanted you out of the way because you had become a force uh, for good, in my opinion, in the White House and within what was going on in Washington. Well, I don't talk about it because it was a, a false charge. The, the charge was that I was anti-gay or something. This because uh, and and they succeeded in making the charge because I'm a born-again Christian. So if you're a born-again Christian, you must hate gays. That was the that was the statement. My own brother was gay, 
I didn't have anything against gays, but am I a Christian? Do I believe the Bible? Yes. So that was enough, the fact that I was a Christian. And so, yes, that was a type of cancel culture, but it's much worse today. I mean, today, my daughter can produce a YouTube and it's not only throttled and it's not only uh, shadow banned, but for the first time in my life, I've seen numbers dialed back. She'll produce a YouTube and it'll have 800 views within a few hours. And by the next morning, it will have been turned down to 300 views. Sometimes I'll go on YouTube to see some prominent news story to try to see what it's all about. And it'll have a few hundred views. It should have millions of views because it's the hottest news story going around and the hottest video going around. But this is part of uh, censorship. The, the, the things that Christians will say and do are going to be censored and diminished. And they could be eventually crushed. I mean, in the Soviet Union, for example, it was against the law to own a Christmas tree. That, that was considered uh, offensive and divisive. It could get to that. It was against the law to have the music of Johann Sebastian Bach. That was against the law. Handel, the music of Handel was against the law. That could happen here in the United States. You, you saw when the Philadelphia uh, Opera went into Macy's and sang the Hallelujah Chorus a few years ago. That was just a viral video. Everybody thought that was so beautiful, brought tears to the eyes. That's the sort of thing you're not going to see happen in, in a, a, a Marxist America. Uh, Doug, you have written many books. You probably know how many. I don't. Recently, you wrote a book about the Trump family and kind of their take on what was happening in, during his administration. Uh, one of my favorites was one you wrote about the, the election. Many more. If you were writing a book on cancel culture, what kind of things would you emphasize? Well, I don't know the answer to that question. The first thing that comes to my mind is how bad it can get. And I don't think Americans are fully prepared for how bad it can get. They keep thinking, no, 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 it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But Amazon, for example, has already canceled books. It's the equivalent of burning books. When the Nazis... Uh, burned those books and it was a big deal. They were students from University of Berlin and other universities that came out and, and burned books that they didn't like. That's what Amazon's doing because there are books that it doesn't like that it won't publish. Now we're hearing that uh, Donald Trump, who's a former president of the United States, that the five major publishing companies, there's now three because one of them bought the other two, will not publish his book. They refuse to publish the book. So we, we can't even hear what uh, the memoirs of a former president of the United States. We can only hear what they say uh, happened and what they say he said, not what he says. So that's interesting time. I think the other thing I think we're not prepared for in America is the fact that we don't know what we don't know. Once censorship begins, people get cocky. The people I interviewed all across the former Soviet Union, 
felt pretty confident that they could read between the lines. When the government would issue a statement, they'd laugh and chuckle, and they'd kind of really know what's going on. The government's lying to us. Here's what really must be happening. And they had this sense of uh, confidence that uh, they had common sense and they could figure it all out, and the lies of the government were not as damaging as they were. What they learned when they experienced freedom was they had been greatly fooled, that huge sections of history had been wiped out in their educational experience. There, there were many things that they didn't know. So I think the American people aren't prepared for that. There's going to be things we don't know that we don't know. <laughs> you can see pockets of that now. The good news in all of this, well, we can talk about that later, but the point is there is good news in the middle of all of this. And what is that? Well, the good news is <laughs> that Christianity can't be stopped. I mean, <laughs> if it could have been stopped, Karl Marx would have done it. They, they, they tried to kill them all. They, they murdered all of the Cossacks, every one of them and extinguished it from history. As I said, they outlawed Johann Sebastian Bach. Every little, every little cassette tape, every line, that they, they punished people for being Christians. And, they, and it just came right back, like mushrooms growing up in the grass out of, after a rainstorm as soon as the, it, it collapsed. And the fact is, while they were burning Christians alive in Nero's gardens, Christians were whispering to each other in the catacombs beneath Rome. Maranatha was their code word. He is risen. He is risen. And so Christianity has survived the hatred of government and of its enemies before. And it will survive this too. But that doesn't mean... Uh, I want to see my children and grandchildren suffer. Of course not. But those who believe in Bible prophecy believe that something is going to culminate with a one world government and what we call the Antichrist. You know, there are certain segments of Protestantism that teach that. Of course, it's not always understood. And at least as far as I was concerned, it was always something that was going to happen long beyond my lifetime. But now we see things happening that at least I couldn't have seen coming um, a couple of decades ago. Do you think that this is culminating in something? Could this be the beginning of the end times? Yeah, very much. Uh, very much. I don't know how more secular it could become. Technology is certainly available now with chips and tracking and keep accounts of everybody. I mean, and as we know in China right now, you can't get a you can't get an apartment unless you have a, a high score. It has nothing to do with how much money you have. It has to do with your score with the government. And if you're caught jaywalking, that's a knock against you. Of course, if you are a member of the Christian church, it'd be a knock against you. And so I'm sure that's going to come to the United States. In fact, it's American companies that have implemented that for China and are providing that for China. Truly, 
truly astounding. You know, there are some conservative groups that are also concerned about this, and they're trying to come up with some options, you know, maybe some new platforms where Christians and other conservatives won't be deplatformed. Do you think that there are ways that we can push back and turn the tide? Or do you think this is just inevitable that uh, it's going to keep going in this direction and and there's nothing we can do? No, I think that we should fight back. And I think we will be successful in fighting back. That's the great lesson learned in history is that Christianity was crushed. The, the disciples died as martyrs. They were you know, burned alive, in, as I said, in Nero's garden. But there were people fighting back. There were people creating uh, safe houses. And there was a network of Christians communicating with each other. The scriptures were being created and written and copied. And there, there was great fight back. And it was the fight back that created the modern civilization, science owes its beginnings to those monasteries where scribes wrote and rewrote portions of the Bible and uh, began to understand nature around them and the skies. And so absolutely, it's, it's these heroes, it's these tough little, mean little, tough-spirited Christians who, who are fighting back who will be the fathers of of a a new, tougher, stronger breed of Christianity. Well, that's encouraging. I want to end the podcast by asking you about self-censorship. I read something in uh, the Epic Times recently that where the author was making the point that probably the worst kind of censorship is self-censorship, where somebody sees that you know, others are being censored, so they keep their heads down and won't mention those topics, or they'll self-censor on things that haven't been censored yet, but they're just afraid that, you know, they'll be a victim. Do you see any of that happening, and, and what is the solution to that? Oh, absolutely. That I see that happening. I saw that happening in Russia. The Russia went through a period of great freedom after the collapse where everybody openly talked about anything they wanted to talk about. And then as Putin became much more powerful uh, on trips to Russia, people were very careful about what they would say about Putin. And uh, I think, why should they care? Why should a waiter or a waitress in a restaurant care if the government hears her saying something, uh, making a joke about Putin? But you can see that uh, they don't want to fight anybody. They don't want any trouble. Uh, they don't. They. They don't. Uh, they don't trust the idea of free speech. They're not truly free. And is that happening in the United States? Absolutely. People pull their punches all the time, in everything that they say and do, for fear that they're going to be punished uh, in some way, and they may be punished in some way. So they're very very careful. And remember Alexander Solzhenitsyn said, when the truth is replaced by silence, that silence is a lie. And that's the real danger we have in being too frightened to speak out. Our silence sometimes has become a lie. 
I so appreciate Doug Weed's insights. He looks at things a lot different than almost anyone else. He's very, very concerned about what's happening, but he also sees hope. And I appreciate his thoughts, and I will be putting them in God and Cancel Culture. It's a book that I'm writing right now in April of 2021. It'll be finished next month and out the day after Labor Day, as easy to remember. And I think it's perhaps the most important book that I've written. It's available now on pre-sale on Amazon.com. Of course, it will be available everywhere September 7th when it comes out, but you can get it ahead of time. You buy it on Amazon. They don't bill you until they send the book out, and they actually send it out on the day it's released, September 7th. I hope that you will take advantage and order it. I also hope that you'll tune in again tomorrow for another edition of the Strang Report podcast. I've shared a couple of times that we have just passed 10 million downloads since we started in 2015. It was pretty small numbers the first couple of years, and then it's really taken off the last couple of years. And it's because people like you come back every day and also that you share our podcast. Go on iTunes and other platforms and give us a good review if you would. That helps us. And tune in again tomorrow to the Strang Report on all the platforms, but especially on the Charisma Podcast Network. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Thank you for listening to The Strang Report with Steve Strang. To read more from Steve, visit his blog, The Strang Report, on charismamag.com. Again, it's The Strang Report on charismamag.com. This is Stephen Strang, and I'm back in the studio, and I just want to add something to this podcast. First of all, you must have enjoyed it if you're still with me. Second of all, I hope it made you want to read the book. As I said earlier, it will be out September 7th. That's the day after Labor Day. That's the day when Amazon will ship your book if you pre-order it. We will actually have copies a couple of weeks before that so they can have time to go to all the stores. I'll be promoting it in lots and lots of ways. You can find out about it on my own website, stevestrangbooks.com. There is a trailer to the book. There's some sample things that you can read. You can buy autographed copies of all the books that I've written. So just check out my site, stevestrangbooks.com. It's my name, Steve Strang. No E on the end of Strang, and then the word books.com. If you know me, you know I go by both Steve and Stephen. With the book, I go by Stephen, but the website is stevestrangbooks.com. I don't even know. When somebody asks me what to what they should call me, sometimes I don't even know what to say. So anyway, I just wanted to uh, help you remember how to say the name of the website. Thank you for listening to my new podcast, God and Cancel Culture. I believe it's the most important book I've written. God bless you.